Hello, everyone. This is Peter. Today's episode is part one of two as we explore the role of repentance in the pouring out of the Spirit of God. Many have referred to the kingdom of God as an upside-down kingdom. What is meant by that is that the operating principles or the relational dynamics within the kingdom of God are completely different from the kingdom of this world. The two kingdoms are fundamentally at odds in their very nature. In this world, there are man-made hierarchical systems where greater glory and honor are given to those who climb up those systems through position, education, wealth, and power. Like in the Tower of Babel, those who reach higher heights receive greater glory and honor. In the upside-down kingdom of God, however, that system is flipped. Somehow the last become first, Matthew 20:16. The greatest are those who serve, Matthew 21:11. And the weak and rejected are treated with special honor, 1 Corinthians 12:24. In the kingdom of God, greater glory and honor are given by God to those who choose the lower position. This is not to say that the ideal state in the kingdom of God is poverty or weakness. That is far from the truth. God is neither poor nor weak. It has more to do with what kind of life is honored and praised. In the world, it's those who rise above. In the kingdom of God, it's those who serve under. It may feel very unnatural to imagine a kingdom where every person strives to be servants of all, where greater glory and honor are given to those who choose to serve under others. But this is the way of God's upside-down kingdom. Jesus embodied this kingdom by coming not to be served, but to serve. Then he called his followers in to, uh, to his kingdom ways to become servants of all. Episode 6 of this podcast was dedicated to this topic. In Ephesians 1.10, we see God's ultimate vision for humanity. It is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. It's unity that God is after. It's peace or shalom in all our relationships with God and with one another. The fruit of the kingdom of this world is division. Division is the result of people trying to rise above one another, but the fruit of God's kingdom is unity. Unity is the result of people coming under one another and choosing to become servants of all. The two kingdoms are fundamentally different from one another in what they treasure and value. When Jesus came, he ushered in the kingdom of God into the kingdom of this world. The two kingdoms clashed. The devil tried to lure Jesus into his kingdom, just as he had done to Adam and Eve. We see this played out in the temptations of Jesus in the desert. But Jesus is able to resist every step of the way, choosing to be a servant of all, not a lord of this world. Eventually, the kingdom of this world collides into Jesus, killing him on the cross. But the devil's so-called victory is also his defeat. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, the kingdom of God was being birthed into this world with power. The Spirit of God was poured out on the church so that God's upside-down kingdom would be established on earth as it is in heaven. It will be a kingdom of unity, of peace, of God's shalom in all our relationships. Now I want to turn to the story of Peter in Acts 10 when he fell into a trance and received a vision from God. This story was the first story where God moved to strip the early church of the baggage of the kingdom of this world, the baggage of tribalism and the dividing walls of hostilities that reflected the devil and his kingdom. But first, let me give a brief background. For over a thousand years, Israel saw themselves as a separate people, a chosen nation. They were special in the eyes of God. What made them different were their laws and regulations. 
They were put in place to keep them pure before God. There were laws about what they could eat, what they could touch, what they could do on certain days. There were laws about how to become clean if they had happened to become unclean. The goals of purity and cleanliness factored into everything they did, and this led them to live separately from everyone else. The separation of the people was clearly seen in the, in the temple. At the time of Paul's writing, the temple had four courts. From outside in, on the outside were the court of the Gentiles, and then going one step in was the court of the women. Then the court of Israel, reserved for purified men. At the very center would be the court of the priests, which was, the whole, which was where the Holy of Holies was. There was a wall between each court, with the Gentiles only allowed in the very outer court because they were uncircumcised and unclean. On the wall between the, the court of the Gentiles and the inner courts hung a sign in both Latin and Greek that warned any Gentile from crossing into the inner courtyards, which was punishable by death if they happened to do so. Not only was there a physical dividing wall in the temple between the Jews and Gentiles, there was also a dividing wall in their hearts. The Jews saw themselves as clean, others were unclean, they were moral, others were immoral and idolatrous. In fact, the Gentiles in many ways were their enemy, their oppressors, and so the Jews avoided the Gentiles as much as possible. It was into this divided context that Peter received his trance in Acts 10. In the trance, Peter saw a large sheet being let down from heaven. On the sheet were all kinds of unclean animals according to the Jewish law. Then a voice said to Peter, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. To that, Peter replied, Surely not, Lord, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Then the voice responded, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. As Peter was pondering this vision, a group of men came to take Peter to Cornelius' house. Cornelius was a Gentile. When Peter arrived at Cornelius' house, there were many people waiting for him there. Peter proceeded to share the good news of Jesus with them, and as he was sharing, the Holy Spirit came upon all who were gathered there. When God told Peter, get up, kill and eat, in the trance, God was challenging something deeply ingrained in Peter's mind and heart, the whole Jewish system that regulated purity and cleanliness before God. God was telling him to eat the unclean animals, which according to this system would make Peter unclean. There was no way Peter was going to do something that only those dirty Gentiles did. To him, it was detestable. And so Peter adamantly said, no. But God urged Peter not once, but three times, do not call anything impure or unclean that God has made clean. Do not call anything unclean that God has made clean. These are very powerful words. Through the trance, God was calling Peter to repentance. Repentance isn't just about sorrow. It leads to change, a change of heart and direction. Here, God was calling on Peter to repent, to change the way he saw the Gentiles. Peter saw them as unclean. They were impure. They were dirty. They were unholy. Through the trance, God challenged Peter to no longer see them that way because God himself had made them clean. It was a call to repent of how Peter saw and viewed Gentiles. But God didn't stop there. He took it one step further. God took Peter to Cornelius' house and showed him something astounding. In Acts 10, 44-45, we read, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. They were astonished. Why? 
It was because, remember, the Gentiles were not even allowed to enter into the temple of God's presence. They were limited to the outer courts. They were unclean. They were unworthy. Many Jews even considered them enemies of God. But as the Spirit came upon them, the dividing walls of the temple were torn down such that the Gentiles were taken right into the Holy of Holies, into the very presence of God. God did this for them, and it baffled the Jewish believers' minds. It became clear that every judgmental and negative way of seeing one another must go to the shadows. The Spirit of God, the presence of God coming upon them, redefined how they saw one another. The Jews and Gentiles are now together together containers of God's presence. As Ephesians 4 says, There is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. I said earlier that the fruit of God's kingdom is unity. Unity is what happens when we reject the divisive ways of the kingdom of this world and come under one another by choosing to become servants of all. But we cannot become servants of those we don't see with honor. We cannot serve those we put down or see as lesser than us in our minds and hearts. So God led the early church to repentance, repentance of how they saw one another. This repentance of the early church was a necessary step for God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. In the same way, I believe this kind of repentance will open the door to the greater things God has for us in our generation. Our God has not changed. His vision is still the same, to bring unity to all things under Christ. I believe that a mighty pouring out of the Spirit is coming. The same door exists today as it did back then. The key is repentance. The pouring out of the Spirit will come to a church that cries out to God. We repent. We have not loved one another as you love. We have not seen one another as you see. Heal our eyes so that we might see. Strengthen us with power through your Spirit that we might truly love one another as you love us. May God hear our cry from heaven. May God heal us, heal our eyes, and heal our land. That is the end of today's podcast. The next podcast will be part two of this series, Repentance Opens the Door, where I will share my personal journey of repentance and what God taught me through that. Thank you for listening today. God bless.